We're glad you're here. Turn, if you would, to Titus, that little book, just past First and Second Timothy. As we continue our study in Titus, what we're talking about is, is Christianity from the inside out. You know, when you, try to, when you try to do Christianity from the outside, it looks a whole lot like religion. It's just a set of rules. It's just a set of regulations that we try to do. And, and now, don't get me wrong. Changing behavior from the outside is not a bad thing. Don't wait for it to happen on the inside. If you're driving along and the speed limit says 50, drive 50, whether you feel like it or not, right? There's some things that we just do because we know that that's what we ought to do. But that's not the Christian life. You see, when, whenever we came to faith in Christ, things began to happen in us. It's not an outward thing. Christianity isn't something that we, we go to someone and we say, hey, you know what, if you can like change these things, if you'll stop doing that, or if you'll start doing that, or if you'll kind of clean this part of your life up, uh, then, then, you come to, then you come to Christ and, and all will be good, right? That's religion. That's not the way it works. Thankfully, because we really are bad at changing those outside things. And we, it's impossible for us to change the inside things. And so the Apostle Paul has been writing to Timothy. Timothy is his, I knew I was going to do that. The next series will be on Timothy, and then I can say Timothy all I want, and it'll be right. This is Titus, though. The Apostle Paul is writing to Pastor Titus, uh, who he says is my son in the faith. So obviously Paul led him to the Lord, or Paul met him soon after he came to faith in Christ. And the Apostle Paul is really helping Titus, I almost said it again, as, as he does what the Apostle Paul has called him to do, that is to appoint elders in Crete, in every town, he says. And then he is giving uh, Titus these instructions, not only on what these elders are supposed to look like, but what these elders are supposed to do. And then the Apostle Paul is helping Titus, who will then in turn help these elders as they pastor these churches. Elders, pastors, same guy in Scripture. And I just realized that I printed out for myself the abbreviated version of notes. Yeah, we'll get to lunch first today. <laughs> so let me just apologize ahead of time if we get out early. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Don't, don't try to go on stage because you're not a very good actor wherever that O came from. So Titus chapter 3, let me, let me read this for you. We're going to just look at verses 1 through 7 today. Sadly enough, we only have just a couple more weeks in Titus. Um, then we're finished. Uh, I, I teased, but it's like real. I wasn't joking that the whole book of Titus fits on two pages in my Bible. And then we'll start Timothy, and then I can say Timothy all I want, and it'll be good. So read with me if you would. This is Titus chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Paul says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of, our, of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in, un, or in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, 
by the washing of regeneration and renewal. I can't talk. I've been with kids all weekend. Sorry. And renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I love kind of paying attention to things around in the world. And, 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 and as I do, I, I, maybe this is just me. I hope not. I'll go, I'll go talk to somebody about it if it just is. But do you ever get the feeling like somebody's watching you? Does that ever happen? Well, do you know they are? I don't know if you've looked around lately, but I love to do this. I go looking around, and, and there are cameras everywhere. You guys know we have eight cameras in the church? I know, huh? Might not have said that. They're all in public places, if that helps you out any. <laughs> just saying. They're not hidden. We just don't look around. But, but they're everywhere. We were at McDonald's the other day, and, and I'm there with two other kids. And, and I said, it, they, they saw a sign. I'm there with a bunch of other kids, but I'm standing with two, and there's a sign, and it says, 24-hour video surveillance. And, of course, both of those kids look at me and said, they're watching you. I said, there's three cameras. <laughs> they're watching us all. But it's not just that. Um, I, I don't know if you guys noticed this. Anybody got their little smartphone that's way smarter than we are? Um, and they keep it that way. About the time you figure it out, they'll change something. So you, you like have to give it to your 10-year-old to fix. But, but did you know this, this really, this is a for, for real story. So we're with the kids. I'm at the zoo. I, I'm learning the art of selfies. I'm not really good at it, but I'm learning it. So I, I take a selfie with all the kids and the little girl next to me this is Facebook. I'm getting ready to post it. It tags her mom. I didn't make that up. It really happened. Facebook is watching you. In fact, somebody told me that it's possible that they could like watch you on the camera on your phone even if you don't know. So we'll put that there. <laughs> Computers. Anybody have a laptop with a built-in camera? I'm just saying. I mean, yeah, I, some of you are going, you're paranoid. I know. That doesn't mean that they're not watching, though. <laughs> so people are watching, but, but it's disconcerting some of you now. You're like going to go delete Facebook. I know you are. Change the settings. Don't worry. They'll change them back. But as disconcerting as some of that is, there's one part of us being watched that is more disconcerting to me than any other. And that is that the world is watching us. Did you know that? People know you might try to be an undercover Christian. I don't recommend it. That's not what the Bible says we should do. You might try to be an undercover Christian. They know. They know you go to church. And they're watching. And they want to see if what you say is really the way you live. And you know what? They should. They should. One of the biggest criticisms that we get as Christians is that we live differently outside the church than we live or act in the church. That shouldn't be. But the world is watching, and if they're watching, what should they see? Let's look in Titus, what the Apostle Paul says here. In the beginning, not in the beginning like Genesis in the beginning or even John, but in the beginning of this chapter, he says, remind them to be submissive 
They're looking to see if we're living in submission or if we're living in rebellion. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? You need, how many of you love to be told what to do? Because we got some, we got some ministry teams for you. No. We don't. We don't like to be told what to do. Now, I don't know if you're like me. I, I like to shift it a little bit. I love rules when I get to make them. Those, that's when it's fun. But they're looking to see if we're in submission. He says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. Anybody ever, like, there's this rule, and it is the dumbest rule on the books. Have you, has that ever happened to you, like, in the workplace or you're driving? Some of you are going, yeah, the speed limit. I mentioned that earlier. It's not. That's for a reason. To rulers and authorities. He says, to be obedient. Now, listen. Obedience, we, we kind of confuse this a little bit. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm obedient. I, I'm doing what I'm supposed to, but not that. I mean, that's wrong. I'm not going to do that. And I don't mean wrong as in immoral or illegal. Um, it's wrong as in that's just dumb. I'm not going to follow that rule. Obedience, you want a true test of obedience? Obedience is what you do when you disagree with the rule. Some of you are going, yeah, heavy real quick. That's right, it's going to be short. So <laughs> didn't have time for Electa to dance around a little bit. Obedience, I had a, a, a pastor friend of mine, and this was his definition. Obedience is doing what you're told when you're told with the right attitude. Now, we might get the first two right, but we sure mess up the third one a lot, don't we? Tell your kid to take out the trash. I will, I will, after this, after this. That's not obedience. No, you're going to take it out now. Okay, and they get it and they kick it and throw it and, you know, and all the way to the... <laughs> Where I grew up, it was just to the curb. Now it's like up the hill to the dumpster. Or if you're lazy in the back of my truck and the crows will take care of it later. <laughs> Got a bigger mess than before. Submission, obedience. And, and then he says here, to be obedient to be ready for every good work. They're looking to see if we like jump in to do the things that we should be doing. Jump in to be doing the right things. Good works. And then he says, if that wasn't hard enough, um, we're, we're going to skip a couple. We'll get back to that. These are things we should be doing. And then he says to be gentle. To be gentle, not harsh. Harsh is easy, isn't it? To be gentle. You're irritated with someone. We talked about that Sunday school this morning. You get irritated with somebody. To be gentle with them. My dad, and I think I've said this to you before, I was smart enough for this not to come out of my mouth, which was really uncommon for me. My dad would say, son, I'm not going to tell you again. And I'd be thinking, good, I'm tired of hearing it. <laughs> to be gentle. Somebody that you've told them and you've told them and you told them and you're still, you're gentle with them, trying to help. And then he says one here, this one kind of is odd in this, this list, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Perfect courtesy, that we're, we're courteous. I, I think it doesn't say that here, but I always think along with that, hospitable, to be welcoming, to be helping, and, you know, uh, uh, in another place, Paul tells us to outdo one another in showing honor. And I have the, the, this idea that like nobody can leave because everybody's like, no, you first, no, you first, no, you first. 
to be courteous. And along with that, I, I think of being considerate to them. I mean, to be courteous to someone, you have to be considerate. I messed up one time. We were coming back from a trip in Arizona. We'd seen the Grand Canyon. Great family time. Cynthia's parents uh, met us there, and this is fun. Now we're coming back home. And, and I just wasn't thinking, we're getting gas, you know, you're tired, we'd planned a lot of stops and we we're too tired to make them, so we're just getting ready to, to get home, and, and I stopped to get gas, and so I got gas, and I thought, well, I've got to go inside to get the receipt, and I'm going to buy a couple of things, so I go inside, and Cynthia calls me and goes, there's this crazy guy banging on our car, yelling, he's cussing at us, and I'm thinking, well, I'm not going out there. <laughs> she said, so be careful when you come out. I, I get out there, and, and I'm like, I mean, what's going on? I, I didn't even think. I wasn't being considerate at all. Everybody's waiting for those gas pumps. It's a tiny little place. And this guy was angry because I didn't move my, and it was inconsiderate of me. And so I tried to apologize. That didn't work either. I just got cussed out more. But courteous, perfect courteous. That's, that's hard. So what should they not see? He says, speak evil of no people, or, or don't, not speaking evil of anyone. So that guy, bless his heart. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what was going on with him. I didn't get a chance. He wouldn't let me talk. But not to speak evil. Can you imagine what damage that does as the world watches us as Christians? People who say that we're followers of Jesus. And, and if we're speaking evil of somebody, can you imagine what damage that does? And then he says, not quarreling. <laughs> I think of, along with that, bickering and backbiting and you know, all those other things. Not quarreling. Um, <laughs> when believers quarrel with one another... I know what they have to think, the world. I, I, they have to be thinking, well, if that's what it means to be a Christian, I don't want any of that. I get that at home. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's like everybody else. So that's what they should not see. And then Paul goes into what they used to see. Paul says, uh, beginning uh, in, in verse 4, no, I'm sorry, uh, verse 3, for we ourselves were once foolish. Has anybody ever been there? Yeah. We were once foolish. In Proverbs, the, the, really the definition you come up with a fool is a fool just doesn't care. I know, I know, I know, I know I shouldn't be doing that. I know that I should be doing that. I'm not going to do it. The fool knows what to do. They just won't do it. That's hard because knowing, we think of wisdom as like knowing the wise thing to do. But there's a second part of that. The wise person knows the wise thing to do and they do it. The fool knows the wise thing to do and then they don't. Albert Einstein said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. But that definition, we're all a little, little insane at times. So foolish. He said, we were disobedient. We were led astray. It was obvious we weren't following God. Slaves to various passions and pleasures. Because before Christ, 
That's what we did. That's the world. If it feels good, do it. You've heard that. Then he says something that's kind of odd. Passing our days in malice and envy. The idea is that's just the way that we live in malice and envy. And one more. Two actually. Hated by others. And then hating one another. Paul said that's the way it used to be. That's what they used to see. But that's not what they should see now. You see, there ought to be a difference. And, and I love this. Whenever you see this in Scripture, when, whenever, and the Apostle Paul wrote about half of the New Testament, so it's usually him. Whenever Paul is saying this and then he says, but, he, he's going he's gonna to switch it around to the other side. So that's the way that, that's what they used to see. But, when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appear. You see, there's a change. It's cool the way God does stuff. The, the theme for the Children's Evangelism Conference was hashtag not the same. That when we come to Christ, we're not the same anymore. If you're the same as you used to be, there's something wrong somewhere. And he says, but... But when the goodness and kindness, loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. He rescued us from all of that. We're not slaves anymore. We don't have to be that way anymore. We have been freed. And then he says, this is some fun, fun wording in here. He says, not of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration. We just had a baptism a couple of weeks ago. We have uh, one coming up in, in May. Maybe more. Just pray for that. That'd be cool. And, and, and part of the symbolism of baptism is that we've been washed from our sins. The, the regeneration that we've been made new creations in Christ. We're not the same. There's a change. There's a difference. There ought to be a difference in the way we think. There ought to be a difference in the way we, we process things. There ought to even be a, a difference in, in the way that we view things. Certainly, there ought to be a difference in the way that we act. And then I love this. He says, and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I wish, I wish... The moment I began to follow Jesus, that it was a once and done kind of thing for me. I wish. <laughs> that was like 36 years ago. And I still, I still have the renewal of the Holy Spirit. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. The Holy Spirit changes us day by day by day. And I'm so glad he's not finished. Um, well, I know he's not finished. I'm glad he didn't stop. That he'll finish it. He'll complete it. But renewal of the Holy Spirit. These are the things that they should be seeing in our lives. They should see a change. He says we're justified by grace. That means that, and this blows my mind, that means that because of what Jesus did on the cross, 
by grace that we were transported immediately from the realm of being enemies with God because of our sin to being right with God because of Jesus' righteousness. That's an immediate thing. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, we're, we're believers, we're Christians, and, and, and we're not following him, and we fi- kind of fall back into the flesh, and we start doing those things. We think, well, all right, well, now I got if I can have my quiet time five days in a row, if I can remember to read my Bible, if I can remember to pray, then maybe I can, like, get back right with God. No, no, no. The same way that you came to Christ is the same way you walk with him, and it's by grace through faith. When this word justified means that immediately we were put in right relationship with God. And even as Christians, when we sin, when we disobey, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us from our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what that renewal of the Spirit looks like. And we're transported immediately back into right, right relationship with God. You don't have to work for that. He does it. Jesus actually did it on the cross. And then he says, his Holy Spirit, whom he poured out richly on us through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Listen, we are heirs with Christ. That blows me away. Let me try to explain it to you really quickly. Okay, I'll begin to explain it. Holy Spirit, I have to do all the rest. All that Jesus as God the Son is entitled to, you and I as co-heirs with Christ are entitled to. Does that blow you away? <laughs> That's crazy. It's crazy good, but it's crazy. We are heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We are co-heirs with Christ. There there should be a change. And and I wish it was a once and done thing. I really do. For for my sake and for your sake, I I wish that it just happened. but, But that's just not the way it is. You see, we get to live out this life in front of a world that's watching. And they see us fall. They see us mess up. Those are all soft words for sin. <laughs> they see us disobey God. They see us when we're not gentle, when we're harsh. Sometimes that's with our family. They, they see us through all that, but listen, listen. <laughs> they can also see us be restored in our fellowship with God. They can also see us confess and repent. They can also see us being renewed by the Spirit. They can also see God working in our hearts and life to change us. And Listen, (laughs) if you're just a little bit like me, when people see that in my life, I know they have to be saying, look, if God can do that in his life, God can do it in mine. If there's hope for Larry, <laughs> then there's hope for me. See, we're, we're called to be Christians, to be followers of Jesus Christ. 
And that's an inside-out Christianity. That's what that is. It's not outside. It's not rules and regulations. It's something that happens on the inside that we live out. Well, let me ask you. First of all, let me tell you. The world is watching you. Let me ask you, what are they seeing? Some of you are going, I picked the wrong day to come to church. But let me encourage you. If when you think about that, you don't like your answer, you don't have to work your way back into something that they see as good. You don't have to work your way into right relationship or fellowship with God. You see, Jesus did all the work for us on the cross. The one who knew no sin became our sin. And then he took the punishment for our sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that that cool? So if you've never given your heart and life to Christ, then let me tell you, it's really simple. We try to complicate things all the time. There's no magic prayer. You don't have to turn around and squawk like a chicken. There's none of that. Jesus did all the work on the cross. The way the Bible talks about it is for those who believe, and that's not a knowing with your head. It's a trusting with your heart. That you just believe. That you say, you know, Jesus, I I need the salvation that you give. And the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's it. You're going, that's too simple. Well, that's because he did all the hard work for us on the cross. That's grace, is that he gives it to us. You just believe, you just trust in Jesus for salvation. You're like, but I don't understand all that. That's all right. I've been walking with the Lord for like 36 years. I don't understand all that either. But here's what I know. That the moment I did that, the moment I said, Jesus, save me. That's the best prayer you can pray. Peter prayed it. It's good enough for him. It's good enough for me. Jesus, save me. He will. And the Holy Spirit will begin to change. Some of you may be saying, I did that a long time ago, but boy, I'm afraid, I'm afraid that if I, if I answered honestly the question, if the world's watching, what do they see? I'm not much liking the answer. Let me encourage you with this. <laughs> In an instant, that can change. I'll never forget, we were doing an evangelism class. We called it Building Bridges to Evangelism. And, and, and we were doing that, and we're in a small room back here in the church. And, and one guy at the end of the class, we're, we're talking about sharing your, your life with people who, who don't know Christ and, and sharing um, how they can come to know Christ. And at the end, he said, that won't work for me. And I thought, oh, no, we got one of these guys who likes to argue. I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm a jerk. If I tried to do that where I work, they won't believe me because I'm a jerk. God got a hold of that guy, called him to the ministry. He's been through seminary and is pastoring a church in Germany. Many of you know Manuel. And that's where it started with him. He was already a believer. God just convicted him and he said, and boy, the change. So let me encourage you. If when you answer that, if the world's watching, what do they see? You don't like your answer. Just surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
will say, you know what? I can't change me. God, you can, and I want you to. Let me tell you the kind of prayers that you can pray and know God will answer. Not for a new car, a new house, just in case you're wondering. When you pray according to God's will, he'll answer every single time. And the answer will be yes. God, will you make me more like Jesus? He says, yes, I've just been waiting for you to ask. Lord, will, will you turn my heart back towards you? And he says, you know, I've, I've been waiting for you to ask. God, would you give me a hunger? I don't, I don't know why it's there. Would you give me a hunger for your word? He says, you know, I've been waiting for you to ask. Holy Spirit, would you teach me as I read? Because sometimes it seems pretty dry. He's going to say, I've been waiting for you to ask. Lord, would you work in the life of my friend who doesn't know Jesus yet? He's going to say, I've been waiting for you to ask. The world's watching. What do they see? Let's pray. God, I just thank you for your love for us. I thank you for that, that your love never gives up. That your love always initiates. Lord, you always initiate a relationship with us. You did it with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden after they sinned. And you do it with us daily. You loved us so much that you gave your son. That, that while we were still enemies with you, while we were still sinners, that you sent Christ to die on the cross for us. And God, daily, you initiate relationship with us. So Father, today, I just pray that you would just break down whatever barriers might keep us from walking with you. And I just pray, Spirit, that you just draw us to you. And for every single person in here today, that you would help us to realize that this is a new day in you. No matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter what the world has seen or not seen in our lives, that today can be the day that you make that change. For those who've never come to faith in Christ, today can be the day that they trust Jesus for their salvation. For those of us who have done that long ago, but, but know our life isn't where it ought to be, today can be the day that you begin making that change. We'd simply surrender to you, simply ask, and then be obedient to you. God, I pray that you'd give us the courage and the boldness to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.